Welcome to Keeping It Real, where we talk business, money, and mindset. Welcome back, everybody, to the Keeping It Real podcast. And as always, I don't want to waste time. I want to get straight into the interview with our special guest today, Chase Diamond, who is the founder of Boundless Lab, which is an email marketing agency. And he's someone that I look up to and someone I study in the email marketing space and someone I think you need to follow on Twitter if you're doing e-commerce. Just a legend when it comes to email marketing. But, uh, you know, I'm going to get him to introduce himself. So, Chase, go ahead and briefly introduce yourself, brother. Sweet, man. And first off, thanks for, for having me. I appreciate the kind words. At a really quick high level, um, I run an email marketing agency. Uh, we have about 35 to 40 employees. We work with 70 e-commerce brands that do between seven and nine figures. And we're doing you know millions and tens of millions of dollars every single month in email revenue for our clients. So excited to be here and ready to dive in. That's awesome. That's awesome. So talk to me about even like before e-commerce industry and before the email marketing industry, what were you doing before that? So really long-winded, at 13 years old, was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, spent a year sick through lack of awareness of this disease. At 14 years old, I took it upon myself to learn guerrilla marketing to raise fundraising and awareness of this disease. Um, after two years of dedicating my life to that, at 16, I became the youngest board member of this charity called the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. They do about $50 million a year in fundraising for Crohn's and Colitis. So that was really cool. Um, forced me to grow up, got some great mentors. In college, I had to pay for my own tuition. My parents couldn't afford to send me where I went. You know, they could only afford a portion of it. So I had to work. I worked six, eight, 10 different jobs, internships, all within different realms of marketing. And that's kind of when I found my love of email. After I graduated college, I went to go work for an education technology company, where I basically built a platform that connected students on college campuses with others in their classroom to make, you know, learning more collaborative. So essentially, if we went to the same university, we might be able to collaborate on some notes, some study guides, create in-person study groups, you know, scale that to hundreds of thousands of college students. I then went on to build an email travel series called The Discoverer, where we grew up from zero to half a million subscribers in 10 months. And really through my background, everything revolved around uh, email and cold acquisition, as well as email and retention and conversion. So I've been doing specifically like email marketing for e-commerce for the past three, three and a half years. So that's kind of my journey to where I am today. And, you know, through learning and amazing story, by the way, just even seeing, I guess, your passions of, you know, spreading the awareness of Crohn's disease, just going through what you've gone through. That's amazing. I I didn't know about that, but that's really, really cool to hear. And even, I guess, all the other experiences that you went through. But my question to you is when you were learning marketing and, you know, when you're doing email, you had the skill of email marketing. How were you able to transition from, you know, having the skill, knowing the skill to transforming that into having a business, which you have now? Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to learn is one of two things. And the ultimate thing comes down to getting like hands-on reps. So the first is, you know, courses, YouTube, you know, attending or listening to podcasts like this. I think you have to have some sense of, of, of what to do, right? You need a little bit of direction, but really the, the best and really the only way, whether you're going to know whether email or SMS or paid social is a good fit for you. And if you're a good fit for me, is to just throw yourself in it, right? Go get a job at an agency, start freelancing, start your own agency. So for me, I had all this knowledge and the stuff, you know, in my mind and in theory, but it wasn't until I actually started applying that, that I figured out like, oh man, I'm, I'm really good at this. And I'm, I'm not really great at that, right? I'm really great at email marketing strategy and really great at execution. I'm really great at making money, but I'm not so great at email design or, you know, I, I'm pretty good at email copy, but I don't really enjoy it. Right. So you have to really just throw yourself into the weeds to figure out, you know, what you're good at and, and really get those reps. 
That's an amazing answer. And I think, you know, what you touched on, this is a perfect segue to a, a lot of things that people ask me when I put it out the tweet, a lot of people DM me as well. It's, you know, some, a lot of questions. And a big thing I saw was what you just mentioned, which is, you know, team building. Uh, when it comes to, you know, hi hiring people, uh, even hiring people from offshore countries, what are some systems or key things that you have in place that you think, you know, separates you from someone else that might just be hiring some, you know, just trying to hire someone to take care of their work for you? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. I think one, you have to figure out like your process, your system, your structure. So for us, we use Notion.so, Notion.so is our project management, right? So having some kind of central hub where people congregate, share, you know, record things is really important. There's also things like Monday, Trello, Asana, right? So picking a project management tool, I think is one. Two is making sure that you understand like what the goal is that you're trying to solve and the players that you need. So for us, we figured out that we need five people on every single client. We need a marketer, we need a designer, we need a copywriter, we need an account manager, and we need a developer, right? So then for us, we started building with a single, you know, what we call pod. I think other people call them teams, pods, whatever they call them. We wanted to build a pod, right? And each pod could take on you know, X number of clients, depending on how junior, how senior they are, and depending on like what plan they have with us, right? Depending on the number of emails per month depends on how many clients someone could take on. So for us, right, we built the first pod. I was on it, my business partner was on it, and we just had a bunch of really good A players on it. And over time, as we grew and as we scaled, each of the members of the pod kind of branched off and started their own pods, right? And you kind of have to grow and fill those teams. So for us, like we are obsessed with the quality of our service. Like we will not do work. We just won't. We'll go above and beyond to make sure that the quality of our work is, is the best, right? It's the best or nothing at all because we're doing it. It has to be the best. So we have processes and kind of things in place, you know, clients check on our work, team members check on our work. We have weekly calls with each department to review the work with kind of the seniors. Um, so everything we do really instills that there's multiple people checking the work, making sure all the, you know, I's are dotted, the T's are dotted, right? Whatever that saying is, um, just really making sure that you know, we didn't miss, miss anything. And again, we're not perfect. We definitely do miss things, but then we build systems around, well, we missed you know, picking the wrong segment. Like how the heck did that happen? Oh, well, there wasn't actually a review for the segment. There was only a review for the copy, the design and the implementation, right? So we, we just start, we did it. And then we found the things that were, were broken and then we patched them up, right? So the leaky buckets, we would go fill that. And then again, something else would leak and something else would break, right? And we've been doing this now for three, three and a half years. So we're not perfect. But we figured out a lot of the things and places where it's pretty easy to go wrong. That, that's an amazing answer. And I love all the, you know, I think this year as well, a huge focus for, for us has been systems and understanding how important systems actually are in growing your business and such. You know, I'm learning something new right there, which is like, you know, if when you have a mistake, instead of worrying about whatever the mistake is, thinking about, okay, what system do we have can that can actually, you know, solve this in the long run where we don't actually have this problem. But back to the team topic, which is just creating, because your team is like, you know, you're, it's almost like your soldiers, you're going to war with them, you know, in the world of business. How are you ensuring that you're, the people that you're working with is, you know, they're staying efficient and also they are up to date on the latest, maybe email knowledge or whatever they need to know for the clients? Yeah, in terms of the, the knowledge piece, like I am creating a lot of content, right? So I submit the content to my team first. So uh, my courses, my podcasts, my YouTube videos, my newsletter, right? Like my team gets access to that content. So that way they can stay up to speed. And a lot of the content we're creating also, it's a two-way street. I'm pushing content to my team and they're pushing content to me, right? So there's this back and forth flow of information to make sure that we're all, all aligned. That's one. 
too. You know, we, we've been one of Clavio's top partners for a while. So we get access to typically things before it's rolled out publicly. So in alpha and beta, they're asking for our opinions and our feedback. And we're sharing with them a lot of our opinion on what we want to see. So I think that's also been a really good and kind of unique competitive advantage of ours. It's just the fact that we have access to tools and, and things early. And then outside of that, right? Like, you know, if I speak at AdWorld or if my partner Nick speaks at an event, you know, we're giving our team access to those things. So there's there's more than enough ways for our team to kind of consume the knowledge. And we're really vetting the people at the end of the day from the beginning. We're doing pretty thorough interviews. We're doing pretty thorough testing to make sure we only let the right people in. It's not perfect, right? There's It's not a fail-safe system, but a lot of times, nine out of 10 times, we're picking the right people that have, you know, they're hungry, right? They they have like this go-getter um, and this go-giver mindset. They, they want more. They're very self-sufficient. They're very autonomous. They're very independent, right? So I think at the very beginning, that's really what sets the tone is in the hiring and in the onboarding, setting the expectation, making sure that you have alignment. Because if you don't have that up front, it's going to be way harder once they're in the groove to kind of course correct. How important do you think like team culture is in a team aspect where, you know, especially in a business like ours, like a team uh, where the team is, has to be involved in, I guess, you know, like a team has to work together for the process. How important would you say team culture is? I think it's everything, especially with, you know, working remotely and working online. You know, it's, it's easy to feel, you know, distant and, and isolated, right? It's really easy to feel, you know, lonely. Um, so for, for us, I think culture is that thing that every single Monday morning when someone wakes up, they don't dread coming to work. Um, every single Monday morning, we have all hands where we have 40, 50, 60 people, you know, depending on the week, depending on the time, certain people in certain countries can make it, other people can't. But we normally have at least 40 people, 45 people on these calls. Not every single person goes through and they share what they're grateful for. They share, you know, so it's really about connecting. That's the whole company. And then individually, each team has their own weekly sync. So I think people look forward to those. You know, our Slack channels are always you know, going off where people are sharing photos and videos and, and memes. So I think having like this open policy, this open communication across, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the business owner, it doesn't matter if you're an intern, right? Everyone has the same level of respect. Everyone has the same access to information. Everyone has the same say, right? So I think having a culture that's really level and, you know, again, like I'm, I'm one of the owners, I'm one of the partners, but I don't feel like I'm better than anyone else. In, in reality, I feel like I'm learning from my people more than they're probably learning from me at this point, right? So when you hire a good team, um, that really allows everyone to grow with them. That, that was amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, I think it's amazing. Uh, it's important for people that are listening to hear about the importance of team culture, just not only for me, but even from you, because I think that's something I started putting a big focus on uh, last year. And I've seen a huge increase. And the biggest thing I say is that that's the difference between you paying someone to do the work and them, you know, being part of your team, being being part of your mission and who you are and what you're trying to do. So definitely awesome that you shared that. You've mentioned your partner multiple times and, you know, a lot of people that listen to them, uh, listen to this podcast, they, these are usually entrepreneurs that do things on their own. I kind of want to hear your perspective, a different perspective on, you know, going, because I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you uh, partnered up with another agency with your agency, right? So just, I guess, hearing the process from, you know, being an agency owner to now, you know, being an agency partner, what was that process like? And I guess just talking about uh, the, the difference in it and, you know, how it, if it's been beneficial for you and, uh, you know, I guess just the, the perspective of having partners. Yeah. So, I mean, even before like this merger that we did about a year ago, I did have a business partner. So um, we have a couple of partners now at the, at the agency that is more than just email at this point. 
but I've always done things with partners. I've always found people that have skill sets that are kind of complementary to mine. Um, you know, I know what I'm really good at and I know what I'm poor at. I think that's really important, right? Is being able to admit the things that you're not good at. Like for me, I hate anything that's back office. That's things like accounting, legal, finance, you know, paying our team, making sure that we have all the right, you know, this, that, or the other in place. Like, I don't enjoy that. I really love teaching. I really love building. I really love, you know, being at the forefront. I love working with clients. You know, I love hiring. Like those are the things that I think I'm uniquely qualified and good at. And I'm really bad at the back office stuff, right? So I've always found team members and partners that are good at the things either A, I'm bad at, or B, I just frankly don't have the patience or, or the will or the want to do. So I had a partner initially, and then we ended up having like a junior partner kind of on the team. And then, you know, now we've merged with a paid social company. I do Facebook and Instagram advertising. We also have a studio. So now there's just more partners, which I think is really great because we have like 50 or 60 employees. So there's a lot of people, there's a lot going on. And um, we have a lot of really ambitious goals for, for this year and the future goals. We're about to build and launch our own first kind of internal e-commerce brand. We're working on some SaaS tools and data tools, right? Um, and if it was me alone, I wouldn't be able to carry on the vision and kind of the execution for all these different things that I want to accomplish. So by coming together and while I have a little bit smaller of a piece of the pie than I would if I was doing it alone, I got to build something that's a lot greater than myself and doesn't need me to kind of survive. That's awesome. And that I, that makes a lot of sense. Um, as even recently, I brought in partners and I've seen a huge, I guess, boost in, um, you know, productivity and all in, like you said, knowing, being self-aware of your strength and your weaknesses and, you know, delegating or creating systems to make sure that your weaknesses are still getting dealt with while you are focusing on what you're good at. You know, now I want to kind of shift this more towards personal branding, because I think you are someone who's doing it like amazingly. First, even I, you, you've already touched on content, the importance of it. But t- talk to me more about, I guess, you know, growing your personal brand and really utilizing content to do so. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, for, for me, I've been doing this now for, for six years. I've been publishing some form of content. And every year I just go a little bit harder and a little bit harder and I spend more time and more money and, and, and whatnot on it. Um, I mean, I think me, like at the end of the day, like content and personal brand is really what set me up for success, right? And I think the, the reason that I've been successful is the fact that like, everything that I do is, is legit and authentic and real, right? I'm not trying to hold anything back. Like anything that you've asked me, hopefully I've answered it, you know, and not held, held anything back. Like, I think for me, like, I don't see agencies like technically, right? Like we could be competitors. I think people would see it as that, but I don't really see anyone as competition and not in the fact that no one can beat us, but the fact that there's so much to go around. And if you, you beat us, then there's a reason you're beating us. And if we beat you, there's a reason we're beating you, right? So I'm, I've always been about giving you know, my entire playbook. And a lot at the end of the day, what separates who's going to win versus lose is who's going to execute, right? And I know I'm going to execute. I know you're going to execute. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are going to be the ones that are executing, right? So we're all going to be able to win together. So I think having allies um, is actually what allows you to win and succeed. So for, for me, I think the content I've created over the years has been super high quality and very consistent. I show up every single day. It doesn't matter what I did yesterday. It doesn't matter what I did the day before. It doesn't matter what I did a year ago. Every day I wake up and I have a new slate and a clean slate and I want to provide value. Every interview, every piece of content I create is like, I'm asking myself, why am I creating this, right? And at the end of the day, I'm creating this to add value. So for, for me, creating high quality, consistent content over time is really what's allowed me to succeed. And again, I've been doing this for six years and people finally just started finding out about me in the past one or two years. So it also requires a lot of patience. 
Right. And I got to say, you know, you've always been helpful to me and even all the other people I know that, you know, maybe personally DM you, whether it be a question asking for some kind of like specific problems. So props to you. And he's not lying. He's always, always dropping value. We even did a thing. This is fun. You're going to laugh at this. We even did a thing (laughs) where (laughs) we integrated your Twitter (laughs) to one of our Slack channels where we have a Slack channel called Chase's Tweets (laughs) because they're that valuable. I can't make oh, this dude, I, I appreciate that so much. These are the things that no one ever shares, right? Like I, I would like to right. people are sharing and taking advantage of the tweets and, and that's really why I do it. But it's really humbling and cool to see, you know, someone else in the space that actually does that. So, so thank you. For sure. For sure. And I guess just to add on to that, like, how are you uh, separating, I guess, the workflow from, even though it's the same thing, you know, it's, it's still emails, but you know, your personal brand having a course, it's a business in itself and your agency is a business in itself. How do you make sure, you know, you have enough time to do both? Are you compartmentalizing? Are you doing any kind of like, you know, different things to make sure that, okay, you're not be just because you're taking on this, you're not, you know, be getting behind on uh, the other project and so Yeah. So for, for me, like with the newsletter, the social, the courses, like they're, they're all related to the agency. Like the agency is my main focus. That's the main thing that I do. First and foremost, I'm a practitioner. I'm not like a course instructor, right? I think that like distinction is really important to me. Like I don't ever want to be seen as just a course creator. You know, most of my time and most of my revenue, most of my income comes from, you know, my agency, right? And this has been something that's really important to me and something that we have 50 or 60 people. So that's a lot of people that depend on me. Whereas on the course and the personal brand stuff, it's it's just me, right? So I'd rather let myself down than other people down just because I have, you know, 50 or 60 families, right? There's 50 or 60 people that are relying on us to succeed. So I have to really be all in there. But I found that like by being all in there, the things that I'm doing day in and day out allow me to create the content. Like if I wasn't doing the things on the agency, I wouldn't have anything to say, right? So they really do feed each other. And one of the byproducts of like a personal brand that I didn't realize until recently is when you build a really strong personal brand, people come to you, right? Whether that's finance or even just as important or more importantly, that's team members. I've had a lot of people over the past six months come join our team specifically because mine or one of my partners or someone else is in the agency's personal brand, right? And that's a really, really important distinction. And I never realized that that was going to be a byproduct. So long-winded, I think they're all related. And I have resources and I have teams and I've been able to create kind of like my dream job at the agency where my whole goal really is content creation, teaching, training, recruiting, partnerships, right? Like that really is my goal now. And my really is my role. And uh, it's not something that was easy. It's taken me, you know, a long time to get to this place where we have really good team members. We've got really good systems in place. It's pretty easy for me to check in and then check out in terms of the things that I need to get done. Um, and I'm always successful, right? Whether it's someone random, that's not on my team hitting me up or someone on my team, you know, I'm very quick to reply. I reply. I'm very quick to, you know, give a thoughtful answer and really quick to jump on call. So I think just being very efficient through systems and people has allowed me to do all of these things. And and frankly, I spent a lot of time creating content, more time than I probably want to admit. So I don't have it down to a T, but I, but I enjoy it. Awesome. That, that is, that is truly awesome. I want to kind of shift more again, like I said, towards you as a business owner now talking about, you know, when you first started, right. Uh, Certain obstacles that you went through. Um, If you could share any that you thought were, you know, key moments like that look like failures or obstacles, but actually turned out to be, you know, positive in the long run and help you learn and build your business. If, if you don't mind, would you be able to share any failures that you you would say helped you? 
I mean, dude, I have so many failures. I wouldn't even know like where, where to start. One that comes to mind is like when we, when you're starting out, it was just myself and a partner. We were doing all of the work. And in hindsight, right? Like the work that you first do when you first start is like really atrocious and terrible compared to like where you are, you know, in the future, at least if you're making progress and whatnot. So when I look back at our work back then, like it's, it's, it's embarrassing to see that like we were proud of what we were doing then. And I'm sure in a couple of years, right? Like even though I think of the work that we do right now is, you know, top in class and best in class, you know, in a couple of years, I'll probably look back and be like, oh man, we've come such a long way, right? And that growth is, is really important. So I think just looking back to like the early days of like, wow, I don't know how I got any clients or why people let me do the work that I did. But I think the key there for me was always being transparent, like in the early days. And, and even now, like I, I always err on being overly transparent. I would tell clients like, hey, I've never done this before. I don't know really what I'm doing. I'm willing to work hard. I'm going to be showing up every single day and putting in the hours. Just give me a chance, right? So I think, you know, in hindsight, by being super transparent and letting people know and not hiding the fact that I'm fresh and new um, allowed me, you know, and afforded me to be able to make mistakes. I think that's really important. One other thing that kind of happened that was was kind of tough for us was we tried hiring an employee. We didn't really have like any legal documentation or any agreements in place. And as soon as we brought this girl in, she tried taking all of our clients and we didn't have like any way to like go after her or protect ourselves because we didn't really have any agreements. So I, I, I think for us, like being cheap and not wanting to invest in a, in a lawyer and kind of the proper documentation or, or even putting together ourselves that seems semi-legitimate, I think could have cost us, you know, our, our business. Thankfully, we had decent enough relations with the clients where they told us and we were able to kind of move past it. But those are kind of the things that come, come to mind. I mean, the, the biggest challenge for us today is hiring, right? Like we have 35 or 40 people on the email team. There's about 50 to 60 people in the agency. And we have like a two or three month wait list right now for our services on email because we can't keep up with the demand. And, and granted, that's a really fortunate problem to have. I understand that, but it's still an issue because we have a lot of people that we want to work with that we can't work with. Like I have some dream brands that I would love to work with that we've had to pass on um, because we don't have the infrastructure to support it. So hiring is, is, is always a challenge. It doesn't matter what size you are, who you are, like finding good people and you know, building them up and allowing them to succeed is it's challenging and we're really being thoughtful with her growth. Like, sure, we could have probably two or three X number of clients and team members right now, but that's not sustainable. So everything that we're focused on is really focused on long-term sustainable growth. So I think that's also a really important mindset frame for people is like, you know, focus on how do you get to where you want to be in six months, a year, in three years, and five years. It doesn't have to be perfect today, but like have the right intentions. I love that. I think long-term thinking is is very important. And this goes like perfectly into something that I kind of want you to touch on because, you know, I, I love to bring in a bunch of entrepreneurs and just hear their perspective on this and also share it to, I think, people that are just starting out as I feel like when you just start out, you are prone to making a lot of like simple mistakes. Like for example, right? I feel like when you first start, let's say getting clients, making money, you might be more inclined to uh, like you said, you know, maybe you invest more in your personal life rather than cheap out, like you said, you know, uh, and, and not uh, reinvest back into business. Even we're talking about legal docs and such. So I would love for you to kind of hear your perspective on, you know, reinvesting back into your business, the importance of that for, you know, long-term growth. Yeah, well, look, I mean, we, we've done the entire thing. Like we, in the beginning, we're taking all the money out of the business. And we're like, well, shoot. Now we can't hire people because we have no cash and we don't want to put money back into the business, right? So I, th I think if you do things the right way early, it really sets you up for success. 
I think if we had done all the right things the first time around, it would probably be you know, night and day different to where we are. Granted, I mean, we run a really solid mid seven figure agency. So don't get me wrong, I'm very fortunate about that. But I think we could be an eight figure agency had we done the right things and, and really followed the right steps. But when you're starting out and you don't know what you don't know, it's, it's, it's challenging, right? And who knows, we'll probably make similar mistakes again in the future, we might not. So for us now, every single month, we set aside a certain percentage of our income into the bank account for growth. And growth looks like team members, being able to get clients gifts, you know, being able to do nice things for the team, being able to invest into any you know, personal projects or kind of side projects, right? So we're, I mentioned we're launching like an internal e-commerce brand, like we're funding that, you know, mainly through the agency and also through some personal stuff and whatnot. And we're going to start other things, right? And we're going to fund it either through the business or, or outside the business, who, who, who knows? So I think by having enough cash in the bank and being a little bit less, I don't want to say greedy, but taking a little bit less off the table in the beginning, take enough obviously to, to have some kind of comfortability to pay the bills, don't be struggling, but also make sure that you're saving a percentage every single month for, for growth. The more that you have in your bank when you're trying to execute certain decisions, you know, the easier, the less stress it's going to be. I agree. And thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think that is one of the most important things. And I think is one of the biggest mistakes I made early on as well. And I, the point that you made that really stuck with me is like, if you start doing things right from the early stages, long-term, I guess you'll be happy, you know, like that you did that early yeah. on. So that's perfect. And, uh, you know, these are some of the last questions I'm going to ask you. And I want to touch more on the personal life of things. And this is actually one of my team members, you know, told me or one of my partners asked me to ask you this, which is you, you know, disconnecting your personal life from your business life, you know, like, cause you are a family man, you know, I, cause you're always sharing your personal life on Twitter as well. But how do you make sure, uh, you know, your business side is not consuming uh, your personal life as well? Because I, I feel like some entrepreneurs might have a thing where, you know, business just as, as all in their mind, even when they're with their family, they're stressing about clients or work or whatever. I uh, just wanted to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. It looks like work, work-life balance is it's, it's really challenging. I'm not going to like sugarcoat it. It's, it's tough. Up until the point, so my daughter's about 13 months old. So she's a little over a year You know, prior to that, like when my wife and I first got married and even first started dating, like I would work seven days a week, 12, 14, 16 hour days. Right. So my early and mid twenties, like I, grinded. Like I really had this long-term vision of being able to be a dad that's super involved and, and a husband that's super involved and a, you know, a brother, a sibling, right? Like whatever my relationship is to people I want to spend time with, I had this vision of really wanting to be super present. And I didn't think I'm 28 right now. I didn't think it was going to happen like in my twenties. I thought this was something that would maybe set myself up for my thirties or my forties. Um, but I've been able to fortunately really kind of give time and attention to, to both um, when time and attention is needed. So I just have a really strict regimen where, you know, I don't take calls before a certain time in the morning. So from, you know, whenever my daughter wakes up, which is typically six or six 30, I'll normally hang out with her from, you know, six, six 30 till 8 AM. I won't take calls, right. Sometimes I'll respond to messages here and there if she's doing something else, but I won't hop on any calls and I don't take any calls after 4 PM my time. So you can hop on a call with me from eight to four. I typically schedule like a half hour just to hang out with my wife and my daughter, have lunch. And then, you know, after my daughter goes to bed, I'll start checking messages and whatnot and respond here and there. So eight to four, I'm on, I'm very focused. And then outside of those windows and on weekends, um, you know, pretty much offline. If someone needs something that's super urgent, I'll make an exception, but you know, nine out of 10 times, like it, it doesn't really matter what it is. You know, I'm out. Would you say you have like a set daily routine that you follow every day to make sure like, I guess, ensure that, that work-life balance? 
Yeah, some like again, like before 8 a.m. Don't take calls. You know, I normally hang out with my daughter, watch my daughter, let my wife sleep in a little bit during the work day. You know, I try not to stack more calls than like four to five, maybe six calls a day. I don't normally do more than that. Otherwise, my brain is fried and just the quality of you know my conversation really diminishes. So I, I try to make sure that I have less calls, but really thorough and thoughtful calls and really being sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after work, we go on a walk with my daughter, we make dinner. We do the dishes, we put her to bed, we read her, right? We do that whole thing. And then typically, you know, my wife and I will kind of hang out, you know, we'll maybe take a couple of messages, you know, we'll watch some TV, we'll just try to hang out, disconnect, sit by the fireplace, something like that. For sure. And my last question, uh, this is a question I like to ask every guest at the end. And this is, you know, how has your perspective on money changed from before, you know, let's say when you first started your business, uh, when you're still working a job to now, you know, where you've had your success with your course business, with your agency, how has the perspective shifted uh, when it comes to, you know, how you look at money? That's a good question. I think, I think for me, right, like, I really value freedom and I really value time over money. And before I think I always wanted money and always chased money. I think there's a certain level and for every person it's different, right? For one person making a hundred thousand dollars a year might be life-changing for another person it might be half a million or a million dollars, right? Like whatever that number is, everyone has their own number. So for me, you know, I think I've met close to that number, you know, for the past couple of years that, you know, an extra 50 K or hundred K like, you know, a couple of years ago would have been like, you know, like that would have been everything to me, right? Like that would have changed my life. And now I'd rather have like my freedom and my time versus making an extra like 50 or hundred K. So I think for every single person, they have different perspectives and every single person has success and success looks different than at different stages in time. I hate when people compare themselves to me or compare themselves to others, you're going to lose every single time, right? When you start comparing yourself, that means you're trying to make it a competition. And none of this really is a competition. I think when you're happy with your own growth and you're happy with your life and you're happy with your progress, I think that to me is really what I've shifted from, right? Is like, I see my friends and I'm like, oh my God, they're making so much more money. But when you talk to them, right? If they're not happy, if they're not spending time with their family, you just have to figure out what you value. And I figured out, you know, when I had my daughter literally at the hospital when she was born, I was like, wow, my whole mindset around family and everything has shifted and changed where I'd rather have more time, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, we're all going to die when we're dying. We're not going to say, I wish I had more money, right? We're going to say, I wish I lived more. I wish I had better experiences. I wish I had better relationships, right? So I think for a lot of people, they figure that out when it's too late. I'm trying to really be kind of mindful of figuring it out and taking advantage of it, you know, today. I think that's the perfect answer to, you know, end the podcast on. That was amazing. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. Before we go, go ahead and share, you know, uh, all your socials where people can reach you. I'm going to put all the links below to his course. I would say definitely go check it out. Uh, Definitely follow him on Twitter. Like I said, you know, we we love him that much that he's on our Slack channel every day. (laughs) So definitely go do that. But any last uh, words before we go, Chase? No, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, shoot me a follow on Twitter. It's ecom Chase Diamond. No A in Diamond. Um, I have a link in my Twitter bio that has some of the other links. If you want to drop those, great. Um, tons of free game and value on Twitter and YouTube and podcasts. So yeah, appreciate you having me. This was fantastic. And hopefully those that are listening enjoyed this as well. Thank you again for coming. Thank you again for listening, guys. Hope you guys have a great day and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. That is it for this episode of Keeping It Real, everybody. And if you guys did enjoy this episode, I just ask for a small favor, and that is to share this with someone that you know would benefit from this podcast. As I really want to grow this community and this podcast through word of mouth, right? From you guys 
sharing it or telling someone to mess with this podcast or listen to this podcast or posting us on Instagram. And by the way, guys, if you do post us on Instagram, please use the hashtag, hashtag, you know, uh, hashtag keeping it real and tag me at SplashmanPB just so I can see it, just so I can, you know, stay connected with the family and interact with some of you guys. But yeah, like I said, if you guys want to keep in touch with me, my Instagram is at SplashmanPB. If you guys want to check out my YouTube where I drop amazing content and amazing value as well, you know, just search my name, Harikshit Busnit, and my channel will appear. But anyways, guys, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.